0: welcome aboard i'm brad i'm eric and i'm scott welcome to my ship story podcast
1: this is a podcast where we invite crew members both past and present to
2: tell their stories about life at sea so come up to the pool bar and grab a drink sit
0: back relax because it's time for
2: my My ship Ship story Story. (laughs) that was terrible welcome back to another episode of my ship story podcast i'm brad i'm here with the usual suspects of scott and eric um let's check in with the guys see what's going on.
0: Scott, got anything going on in your neck of the woods? This past weekend was crazy busy. I had another show in a certain thing that I can't mention, uh, which was exciting. And then the next day I had to go for a barbecue uh, competition. So, you know, it's always great, you know, eating high-class barbecue. I think that's
1: about it. What's going on, Eric? Well, yeah, my life is boring. So I'll just tell you about, I listened to, I'm going to talk about another podcast, but just real quick. So I don't know if you all, we've talked a little bit about Smartless and uh it's it's a fun podcast to listen to. But this last week's episode is with Tiffany Haddish. I was just really surprised at how like inspiring she really is. She oh. has an amazing story. You need to listen to the podcast because I won't do it justice. But basically, she was homeless. She was living in her car in LA while when she first started doing comedy. Um, and she had a pretty rough childhood. And the type of things that she does now to try to uplift the community she was lived in LA her whole life she's trying to start a grocery store chain in African American neighborhoods that are primarily not completely but primarily owned and and you know a lot of the products and stuff will come from african-american businesses it's super inspiring to listen to her speak about it
0: i can't wait to listen to that i love uh that's really you know one of the maybe three podcasts that i subscribe to and if you guys have if you don't know what we're talking about it's called selfless um who is it smart a lot that was a (laughs) movie that was a movie (laughs) but it's, uh, it's done by sean hayes uh will Arnett, and jason bateman and they have a great podcast and they they bring on a guest and don't tell the other two until the podcast starts and they just kind of talking, but it's awesome. It's funny and, and really good. Well,
2: I was going to tell about my, my bad day, but now it seems like I'm It's like gonna be my white privilege uh bad day (laughs) now that you've now that you've ruined it, Eric.
1: You can give us your bad day and then go listen to the podcast and get inspired.
2: I'll try it. I don't I'm not even inspired to tell it now. It just sounds so worse. (laughs) It sounds so terrible now. (laughs) Well, let tell us and I'll let you know.
1: You can tell us and I'll let you know how white privileged you are.
2: uh, okay. Well, it all starts with it all starts with with Tanya's car wouldn't start this morning. This is one of the rare, rare days that I left before her because usually I try and leave after she leaves because if I leave before, all the lights are on, the, yeah. the water, you know, I come home, the water's yeah. running, the refrigerator doors are open and, you know, it just, she she doesn't, she just runs out the door without looking around at all. So real quick, and is so that I,
1: her, was that her Tesla? No, it's her uh,
2: 2019, <laughs> it's her 2019 Buick uh, Encore, which I'm yeah. going to get to because- because, okay. uh, of course, her car won't start. And so I have left before her. I am halfway to work because I have got to be there early because I think I've got this. Um, I, I told you, Eric, I'm starting this class um, today that I think starts at 10 o'clock. So I want to get there early so I get stuff done and right. so I can get ready, you know, be prepared for this this class to start. Well, I get halfway to, to work and um, she. I get this call and she's like, my car won't start. You've got to come get me because she can't drive any of our other vehicles. And let me mention, I have six vehicles. I own six vehicles.
0: Or or can't she drive the bulldozer? Why do you uh, the bull, six The bulldozer vehicles? is
2: not one of those. I have six vehicles. I have two 1998 Ford Escorts, and I've got a 97 Chevy one ton, uh, actually, which I call City Boy. I've got a 99 F350, which looks pretty big. It's It's all jacked up and has a four-wheel drive. Then I have a... 2010 Equinox in this 2019 Buick that, that Tanya usually drives. Well, of those six vehicles, four and a half of them run. And one <laughs> of them is a, and one, because the 97 Chevy does not have reverse. So I have to be really mindful when I drive that, that oh, yes, I don't okay. get in a didn't, you know don't get in re- a position where I have to back
1: up. <laughs> yeah. right? Wait, so was you know, you're a redneck when
0: I yes. have just real quick, I have a Ford. I'm, I'm sorry. I have a Dodge. Three quarter ton. It's a Dodge 2500 that that just won't die. And that's why I love Dodge. Um, it has, I lost third gear, so I can't get on the highway. And it was a V8, but I, I've blown a cylinder. So now it's a V7. And, and the air conditioner didn't work. And I mean, it's my work vehicle. So, okay. Well, to well, me, well if we're talking things, trucks.
3: So the okay. reason why I'm sitting in this beautiful Hampton Inn hotel room in Elk City. No, it's Elk Grove. Elk City's in Oklahoma. Oak yeah. Grove, California. <laughs> we had to come down to LA, speaking of white privilege, to pick up our $2,500 uh, $2, Ram Larrabee. Um, because they don't make the chips right now. So this is the only one we could find to pull our new 26-foot trailer that we get next spring. So so,
2: so what happened with Tanya? So- oh, God, I have no idea. I've forgotten all about the story
1: now. We've <laughs> gotten so completely the, off of it. Look, I am the infidel who has a Toyota
2: Tacoma. It's not an American truck. <laughs> no that's a good that's a good truck that's a good truck yeah, i would. not bad yep. i i'm I eyeing yeah, those okay. maybe one of these days yeah, yeah but yeah okay anyway let's, okay god oh my god sorry rick hey, we're, we're gonna have to invite great. you on I for could... another day we're, we're out of time <laughs>
0: we're at 25 minutes right now so this is gonna be hard to edit it this is great
2: <laughs> no let's let's get to our guests because this i've mentioned this on the podcast on my first podcast which everyone's forgotten and hopefully no one has listened to please don't listen to that first, first podcast because it's awful
3: who's but it with it,
2: it's just me telling my origin story
3: oh okay
2: and and when i get on the song of norway and i mentioned that the first person that i remember meeting on the song of norway was rick chatterton
0: and his cabin number
2: and that i got wrong 498 it, it was 498 yeah I <laughs> yeah. bet i said 198 you know yeah whatever. it's fun to, it's fun to drink wine <laughs> and so anyway welcome to the podcast rick chatterton thanks
3: hey Thank you all. It's a good good scene again, Brad and, and Eric. I, I haven't seen you in years, and and yeah. I don't know if we ever worked together. Scott, did you ever work with with Royal?
0: Uh, I, all my whole time was with Royal Caribbean. I did, I was from Winds of Majesty ninety two to, to 98, 99, somewhere around there. We,
3: I'm sure we our paths crossed.
0: I remember that you're originally from California. I think so,
2: but I don't know how you got on ships. How'd you get on ships?
3: Well, my name is Rick Chatterton, and this is my ship story. It kind of goes several years back before. I even walked on board um, as an employee. My brother and sisters back in the mid-70s purchased a a, a cruise for my parents for their anniversary. They met some great people in in line waiting for their, their dining room service. And long story short is these people became almost like family to us. My dad and her name was Inez started creating, you know, cruises for groups uh, about every two years after that and and, uh, for family and friends. And and so I was about 16, I think, when I went on my first cruise, Um, I I roomed with my grandmother on the Sun Viking. And then we did a few family cruises after that. My dad hooked me up with uh, somebody at uh, Royal Caribbean Uh, Ended up up getting interviewed by Mark Grad. And the next thing I know is I'm walking across a gangway in San Juan, Puerto Rico, under the Song of Norway. That was uh, July 15th, 1990. Walked across the gangway and Debbie Keller was standing there. First words out of her mouth were, you're late. You need to go to your room, put on your uniform and get back up here because we want to go to lunch. (laughs) I'm like, okay, well, this is going to be ending <laughs> nice very quickly. Nice to meet you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. Within about three hours of being at the front desk, not even knowing if I had my epaulets on pointing the right direction or not, we became really good friends. We ended up later that night going, I remember going out to um, pizza for, in, in San Juan because we didn't sail till 10 and just became really, really good friends with so many people on board the ship. Worked my way up the ranks, ended up taking the Rhapsody Which- out from from France
2: well, which happened to be really fast because you joined in July of 1990. I joined in June of 91, and you were already first crew.
3: You know, God bless Royal Caribbean. I I, I love them dearly. Um, but the the idea was, you know, always hold that little carrot in front of you. My, the chief purser was was uh, Michelle Martin, so um, we we hit it off quite good. And I was at the front desk for a few months, and then they were thinking about bringing out the Monarch. Uh, Well, then the monarch fire happened and and that kind of put everything sideways for a few months while they cut off her bow and put the majesty's bow on the front of the monarch and then cleaned up that bow and stuck it on the majesty. Pretty soon after that, I, I think I was, I probably wasn't crew purser too long before you got on board brad and that tiny little office downstairs that you, can, you know, could stretch your arms out and touch walls, and
2: filled with life jackets i remember coming in there and it was just full of life jackets when this is when the crew purser would hand out the life jackets yeah, yeah.
3: well in the old days you know the, before it was the crew purser, it was the first crew steward and they reported directly to the captain um, and they were norwegian and so you know not only did they have the the crew purser's office, but they had the slop chest. They had, uh, all the uniforms and, um, they were Prior to my time, they were some of the wealthiest folks on board <laughs> because <laughs> they ran that cruise ship, uh, that the cruise uh, the slop chest. So,
2: tell us what the slop chest is.
3: That term goes back eons. If you read uh, classic novels and things about uh, sea life, they talk about the slop chest. Um, slop chest is basically goods and 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 some trinkets and things that. Uh, in this case, the the chief crew steward would go ashore, purchase things, and then mark them up ridiculously high and and, and resell percent. them. Exactly, <laughs> and and so basically, you get candy bars and chips and and things like that. By the time I came around, that went to the gift shop. So the gift shop was in charge of. "Quote unquote the slop chest," and 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 you are right, Brad. When I was last on board one of the ships, the uh, the crew store they still call it the slop chest. It is a mini Seven Eleven. Do you remember, Brad? You know that that office down there? Um, it was right up the stairs from uh, the Chinese laundry.
2: I remember. In order that to now. stay in
3: the good favor of, of the crew purser, they would bring up the most fantastic food. You know, almost every night, these giant shrimp and this great fried rice. And
0: now let me tell you real quick, this is a benefit of living amongst the below the waves, people, all the Rastafarians and even the Chinese laundry was a deck even below us. But we would go down there all the time to the Chinese mess. I mean, they were cooking in their rooms. They were cooking in the mess. They were, co- and it oh, yeah. was all really, really, it was really good stuff. Hey, real quick on the slop chest. Is that where we went and bought like the ramen noodles?
3: Ramen noodles, condoms, anything like that. Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> it's like
1: the, a cruise store. And it just, uh, you know, as the newer ships came out, the little cruise store became bigger and bigger and bigger. Cause it used to be tiny. Where was that?
0: Crap. Like on the majesty, where was that? Cause that was the first time. I've ever heard of heard of and had ramen noodles. And it was the Asian ramen noodles. And and they were like had five packs in them and really spicy. And I was like, I love this.
1: I thought it was really close to the the crew person's office. I don't remember exactly where.
0: Yeah, I don't remember on on
3: the sovereign class exactly where it was. That food was just so fantastic. In fact, President Carter and, and his wife would go down to the Chinese laundry on the Song of America and have dinner down there. So with I, the Chinese yep why? it was that good this is all before USPH of course
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so Rick how long did you work for Royal because if I remember right you you ended up working shoreside as well after you left ships correct
3: yeah I was on the ships for eight years um, Song of Norway was you know that was my my first ship still my most beloved ship um, so many wonderful itineraries and people and and, and you know Brad was you know alongside all of that and it was just it is so memorable ended up on empress for a while um out I of that one. out of out of Miami um and When were you on the empress? I don't know it was the it was the longest like year and a half of my entire life. Carol <laughs> Sue Thomas, <laughs> you remember Carol Sue? Yeah. Carol yeah. Sue's still at the company and Carol would like she was the chief purser prior she goes you know Rick you're going to love this chip it is just so perfect. You don't do anything. You come into the office and you make it. it. was just the opposite. Everything was going haywire. There was money missing. Somebody stole a boatload of money. Actually, it was a pram full of money out of the casino safe. And just before I got on board and it was a really, really long three contracts. But um, from there, I went on and, and brought out the Rhapsody. Um, and then I, I left the Rhapsody after its first season in 1998. So I was on ships for eight years. I wanted to come back as a food and beverage manager and work my way up to hotel manager. This is kind of where Brad's story uh, and mine kind of cross over, almost cross over. Um, I interviewed with a couple of places because uh, Royal wasn't interested in bringing me back as a Hotel manager or food and beverage manager at that point, come back uh, one more, one more contract as a chief purser. So I was looking around and I actually got a job at uh, Renaissance and um, they had promised me a, a hotel manager position at Renaissance, but they said we don't have an opening for you for a few more months. So, um, but we'll call you. And in between that few months, I was asked by Monica Nerger and Carrie Cook to come in and and do a white paper on on some of the technology and and things that we had going on board the ship um, into the Miami office. Very quickly, ended up applying for a manager's role at in Human Resources with Malcolm Lynch. I got a postcard from Human Resources saying, "Thank you for applying, but your skills don't match what we're looking for. But if something comes up, we'll let you know." Well, the next day I was offered the job and basically took over from uh, Jacques Bourguignon, completely empty drawers, an empty desk. Gordon Shank was manager of administration. I think at the time, Shelley Whittiak was manager of uh, of scheduling. Um, and the three of us ended up getting along like a house on fire. We We pretty much transformed that department. Um, made it what it what it needed to be to bring out the first of the voyager class ships and then and then the millennium class ships as well too also in in 98 um soon after i i got the job about the time i got the job in human resources um, i met stephen franz uh, who was a uh ship's accountant uh, long story short stephen and i are still together he's down by the pool he's Gone out and gotten me beers. Um, He's uh, we've been married for since 2004, um, and it's just been so. You know, I really always look to Royal Caribbean as that's made my life. It really has, and always been given the opportunities, and and it didn't seem like it was ever second-guessed on uh, giving me a chance. And so I'm so thankful for that. And I so. Deeply appreciate it because I wouldn't be where I am in, in my life today uh, with all of those op- without all of those opportunities. So Stephen was, was interviewed with Royal Celebrity Tours up in Redmond, Washington, and he got the job. And I was reporting to Adam Goldstein at the time for brand quality. And I walked into Adam and I said, you know, I'd, I'd like to move to Washington and couldn't get further away from Miami. Right. Um, which is a good thing for me. And he shook he his head. He's like, well, I don't care where you live because you need to be on the ship. So, um, good luck to you and and good luck to Stephen because he had known Stephen as well too. Um, again, I was given this great opportunity, this great chance to be able to do what I love to do and go out to the ships and, and work with the crew and, and, and continuously improve the product. And then around, 2008. I was kind of wearing thin, so I, I decided to leave Royal at that point. A couple of years back, uh, Amanda White, uh, now Amanda North, made an offer to Michael Bailey, who was over at Celebrity, to reinvent brand quality for for them. Um, and so we created our own uh, LLCs, our own businesses. We're contracted to first celebrity um, for a short time and then back to Royal Caribbean um, for several more years um, doing their brand quality. Um, And I, I left for the last time, um, Mm -hmm about two years ago. And this time it is the last time because um, I'm not going back. Awesome.
2: Lots of, lots of time on board, lots of time as a corporate shill in yeah. the, in the head office.
3: <laughs> exactly. But I, I, I tried not to spend any time there. And it's funny, Brad, cause you know, you, you can walk through, I'm sure the same in princess Eric as well. You can walk through and you can say, shipy, shipy, never been on a ship, thinks they've been on a ship, but have never been on a ship, you know? Yeah, exactly. uh, and, and, just, and it's usually after five o'clock when everybody else has gone home. And it's the ones that are still there because damn it, that ship's going to sail. Right. And if you're yeah. not ready, you can't sail.
1: Absolutely. That absolutely. dedication. I, did, I ended up doing almost nine, I did nine, about 19 years at Princess when I finally said, okay, I'm done. Even though I did get to travel and I enjoyed it, I had a great time. and right. But about two and a half, two and a half years ago now, um, I was like, no, that's it. I'm done. I'm ready. And, and were, you in Santa,
3: uh, were you in Santa Clarita?
1: Yeah, I was. Yeah. I, but I moved. The same thing happened that, like, that happened to you, a very similar thing where I decided to move to Nashville. And I just basically said, look, I'm moving to Nashville. Um, you know, it's just a life decision we decided, you know, me and my husband. And Princess said very similarly, okay, let's see what we can work out so that we can keep you and keep you can keep working for us while you can work remotely so i did that for for another almost you know 5 years i worked mm-hmm. remotely from nashville um, and which was not very nice, too, that I wasn't sitting in an office um, yeah. most of the day. Yeah, well, we can I keep see. talking for hours. So I I know, let's get
2: to a ship story. It's only we're almost out of time and we haven't even got to <laughs> well, a ship story. I thought story
3: that was yet. my ship let's story. Hear
2: <laughs> no, no, no. We want to hear we want to hear something crazy. I want to hear about happened. the time
3: that uh, we're watching movies in, in the chief purser's cabin on the Song of Norway. and 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 Brad came in and said, I'm a firefighter. Firefighters <laughs> don't stop. <laughs> well, that firefighter didn't go to work that night because that firefighter couldn't function properly
0: <laughs> but yeah that that sounds about maybe right. maybe that's yeah, that a different story for right. a
3: different time so no, no, no that's that story
0: i was gonna <laughs> ask when you very first got on what was your impression of brad was he was he already half in the bag or
3: brad just worked his way into everybody's heart immediately i mean we honestly he's just it was a family on that ship and, and you were either part of the family or you, you didn't last very long. And and you came on as a second purser, didn't, or the night shift though, right? Wasn't, wasn't it?
2: I came on as, as an assistant purser in San Juan in 91. I did a really long contract, nine months and, and change. And then I went home for a very short time and they called me back to replace Spike Peterson. Were you there when the Spike Peterson? So
3: I have a story about Spike, but go ahead and finish your story, Brad. Well,
2: no, that's (laughs) it. That's it. Just that I'm not going to say any more other than Spike had to leave suddenly and and they called me back and I was only at home for maybe three weeks or something. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I was back on for another nine months. That's
3: what it was. As a night
2: purser again. Wait a second. So is that why Spike transferred to the majesty?
3: So Spike Mike was asked to leave because Steve Carpenter and myself had to cover the desk a couple of nights and, and that didn't make Steve happy at all. Fast forward 2004, I think we had already started to, Steve and I were already married. Um, I was asked to do a competitive analysis of Las Vegas. And so Steven and I went out to Las Vegas and we checked out shows, we checked out the hotels, we checked out casinos, obviously, and, you know, everything that was there. And we checked out short excursions. One of the short excursions that I thought, well, for here, we might as well take a flight from Vegas over to the Grand Canyon and check out how that's done. I get on the plane and who's my pilot? Spike. <laughs> Spike
2: He's
1: a pilot.
3: Peterson is a yeah. pilot. a damn good pilot i will tell you it (laughs) was really great and it was so fun to see him and of course he uh, he remembers me as probably the last person he saw on the song of norway as i gave him as as i collected his life jacket and and his his emergency instructions (laughs) um so uh and, and i have to be honored by adam goldstein who i turned in my report And Adam called me with Dan Hanahan later on, who was the president of Celebrity at the time, and said, Rick, you know, based on your report, our next generation of ships are no longer going to be hotels at sea, but they're going to be resorts at sea. I don't think anybody ever remembers that story. I certainly do. I'm, I'm honored that it was part of it. I don't think that they put the Blue Man Group on board uh, the Oasis like I said they should, but uh, it was pretty <laughs> impressive when when I saw it. So, um,
1: but didn't they? Wasn't it Royal that put Blue Man Group on? on, on I think it was. Ships? I think it was
3: Celebrity. I think oh, a celebrity. celebrity. Yeah. Okay. Yeah yeah, 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 A few years back, so. Yeah. Um well, one of my ship stories is in and, 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 and so as I was saying, you know, kind of bookending my entire my shipboard career was a song in Norway at the beginning, which was just so fantastic and and then my experience bringing out the Rhapsody um which, you know, 6 weeks in Saint-Nazaire, France and in the camps and and working with some great people and <laughs> Captain Stanglin and and it was it could not have been better and Unfortunately, the, sh- the the ship's engines, uh, French-made, you know, crapped out um, several times, and we ended up doing a, a dry dock in Portland. That was my my last cruise, um, and then we I got off the ship in, in San Diego. In between that time, I was asked to be the chief purser on Sovereign to cover a dry dock, and I loved doing dry docks. So Mandy Williams um, was the chief for on Sovereign for so long, and she said. Rick, would you do me a favor? I really want to be home for, for Christmas. So do you mind doing the dry dock, which is right before Christmas, staying for Christmas and New Year's? And then and it's like, I don't care. That'll be fun. You know, whatever. Get on the Sovereign. It's just something said to me, we need to be really prepared for this. So I had the assistant purser's Take all of those Swiss cheese keys. Remember the the door keys. We had that giant panel on the wall, uh, and and had to make like six extra keys of every room. So we get up to Baltimore. It's early December. They are taking out the disco. They're putting in new cabins. Since they're putting in new cabins, they're redoing the the uh, safety plan. And so there's so many different moving parts to all of this. We're having an absolute blast. Ship starts to come back down to Miami. It's not complete. It's snowing in Baltimore. They lift me up in a cage you know on a crane to drop me back on board the ship because they've already started letting the water out we get to Miami somewhere along the line somebody plugged the keymaker into the wrong outlet and blew it up meanwhile some of the nice norwegian contractors that were on board decided to clean out all of the door locks which reset every single door lock. So no one had keys. The one Mm -hmm. spare key machine was down in Nigel Smith's office. He couldn't provide extra keys. The windjammer wasn't finished. The disco wasn't finished. But still, we're going to load people on board the ship. And so we start bringing them on through the aft, not in the gangway, where they load the stores and bring them up some back stairs. Onto the ship. So they are pissed. And now they can't get into their rooms. The security officer brings down a block of wood and a drill and says, here, take these keys. And whenever they give you a key, just drill holes in, in the plastic and give them the new key. So they're sitting there drilling keys at the front desk. <laughs> oh, my God. The line is through the ship.
2: Let me provide some context here. Th- these these were a very short time on the ship where they these keys were like a little rectangular plastic yeah. thing that were kind like of
1: the grayish gray. they, were, they were gray. they were gray. cards bing cards bing. yeah bing, yep. bing key cards yeah yep.
3: yeah and and each one had a different right. set of holes in it um yeah. that would open the door um and and, and if and the, to reset the door somebody had to go actually reset it unlike the magnetic strips or d cards that they use now so so that was just the start we finally sailed and got to key west i can still see nigel coming back up the gangway to me and going, chief, we're not sailing. It was too windy in Key West for the ship to sail. And once the sun set in Key West, we were not able to sail. That's not such
1: a bad place to get stuck at night. Oh,
3: and it was the last night of the cruise, (laughs) Eric. So everybody Uh, loved that, right? And everybody but me, because I knew... It was held to pay the next day. Now, mind you, it was a three and four day cruise. Immigration had come on board and de- had done in route. Of course, it's Christmas time, right? So you remember what the officer's mess was like at Christmas time. And, and we were not being served. Finally, the staff captain at the time said, these are my friends. Go help them.
2: Lots of aqua around Christmas time.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and, and lots of scantily dressed women, not by their choice. Um, and... <laughs> And it was just, it was, it was horrible. All the passengers go out and have a great time on shore. I'm trying to collect manifest information. Malcolm Lynch is now the director of, of port services is say, yes, send us, fax us that information. Um, we fax it. Somebody comes in the next morning and says, all these faxes are on the, on the floor. What is this about? Well then they fax it back of those that they could help out with They basically retracted every single name on that list. So there was nothing they could do to help people with flights or anything like that once they got off the ship. Passengers are now getting really upset. It's still stormy, but we are now going to get into Miami at the end of December, about four o'clock. And so I've got the operations manager yelling at me to get the people off the ship. And I've got Malcolm Lynch yelling at me to tell the people to stop getting off the ship because there are no lights in The terminal. So they can't see whether they have a blue luggage tag or a green luggage tag or an orange (laughs) or a red luggage tag. And it is complete mayhem. As we were sailing from Key West to Miami, the US announced that they were indicting Royal Caribbean for environmental issues a few years prior. So where all these passengers are waiting to get on board the ship, now you have news crews with all all the passengers there who are now pissed off because they can't get on board the ship. They're dumping again. Of course, nothing could have been further from the truth because, you know, the incident took place years before. And I can't comment one way or the other what happened with the incident or how the incident happened. I just knew the news crew was there and these rumors were flying.
0: Save the Waves was created.
3: After Save the Waves. And so it was because of this type of incident that they brought on the environmental officers to keep everybody in check. It was just a hellifying, long dry dock and post-dry dock.
1: Rule number one about dry docks, never, ever book a cruise when a ship is coming out of dry dock. Never, ever.
3: And never book a cruise when it... Versus being built either.
1: No, you (laughs) no, do not. Do you want to be people want to go on those maiden voyages? Those voyages are always a nightmare. The ship is not, you know, there's always things that go wrong on the first voyage. There's always a lot of problems. Be prepared
2: for adversity. Yep. If you're taking a maiden cruise. Yeah. Well,
0: you know, so then there's the people and the, and the things that happen. Like if you take that and all that goes wrong, if you complain far enough, you know, far enough up, up, um, you may get a, a free cruise out of it. Let me tell you, and I'll just give you a
2: little taste of one of the stories that I've yet to tell that I really want to, if I get the right person on here, who is still won't, won't come on. But, um, I did, I did a, uh, brought a, a ship out of dry dock in Greece And our first cruise, one of the passengers came up and said, I don't have a cabin. I said, yes, you do. And they're like, no, there's not a cabin there. And I go down and open the door and there is nothing in there. It is an (laughs) empty space. It doesn't even look like it's supposed to be a cabin. Sleeping bags. Oh, man. Oh, (laughs) that. And I'll just give you a little. That's just a little taste of everything that went wrong. But we made it
3: work (laughs) by necessity. We made it work. You know, and it's I think I think it's changed us all. I think it's for the better, at least, you know,
1: for the better. Um, yeah, we uh, it, it definitely works that you have to you have to make it work. You have to figure out what you have to do to uh, to make the situation better. And and you had no you had no option. You're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So you have to figure it out and come up with a solution that's going to make everybody Maybe not everybody's super happy, but at least resolve the problem.
3: Remember when we first got there, we were leaving for Europe, Brad and Mark Carillas um, had been asking for what pay, what the requirements were for all the ports. Been asking for months, and at the last minute, they brought on some notebooks with. They were basically blank, empty notebooks with some tabs on it, with each of the ports written on on the tabs. But there was no information whatsoever, what paperwork (laughs) needed to be created, what manifests needed to be filed or anything like that. Mark just printed like 50 of each of the manifests and just laid them up on the table and said, here, take what you need. And then he just figured out what they need for the next time.
2: (laughs) Same ship, been there, rolling into ports. Have no idea what paperwork is supposed to be there and just rolling in and just winging it for like an hour while the cruise director and the captain are screaming, clear the port purser, clear the ship, come on. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yep. Yep. Sometimes you, you had to pay off the right person. It didn't matter how much paperwork you had provided. If he hadn't paid off the right person, like we did in uh, in Casablanca the first time, couldn't get the ship cleared, couldn't get the ship cleared. And then finally, the port agent said, somebody said his brother was on the gangway wanting to sell postcards and stamps, and we weren't letting him on the gangway. And finally, we got it okay that he could come on and sell postcards and stamps. And m- miraculously, the ship was cleared. Like second, and later. that was
1: and that was like India. Like un, until we gave the you know the officials that came on board until we gave them a cabin stocked with alcohol and cigarettes, yes. they would not clear the ship until we yep. did. And the first time we went in, we're like, "What? Get you a cabin? Are you kidding?" And we so we were arguing with them, and then eventually it was just like, "No, we we won't clear the ship until we get that." So yeah, cabin stocked. With alcohol and cigarettes and they yep. spent the entire day smoking and drinking
2: yep but hey rick i want to i want to see if you remember this if, if this is true if i would just made this up in my head did you go golfing with us in casablanca I've got
3: pictures man
2: it was me and a- you and ray kacharski and
3: was was dan with us then
2: it may have been dan ray
3: yeah, it was I yeah i think it was, think dan, it was dan, ray. dan
2: ray i think it was dan ray uh, yeah and, and we
3: had we had caddies yeah, it was the best golf I ever had. And
2: and if you got within five feet of the hole, they would just go and pick it up, you know, given, yeah. given that was, yeah, it, was <laughs> it was giving it was it was great.
3: It was great. No, you're not making that up, Brad.
2: It was great. It is so nice. Not having to carry your bags, not have to find your ball. And they would go and find your ball. They'd clean it off yeah. and they'd put it down. They'd pinch up. They'd pinch it up a little bit, yep. pinch a little dirt underneath
0: it, you know, t- t-
3: tee it up t- it a little up bit for you. For you. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: was
3: great. That when was you great. guys were
0: when you guys were in Casablanca, did you go to Rick's place, or is that a real is that a real place? Or
3: it's a pseudo place. There There's a place tur- called Rick's there, but yeah, yeah, it's a tourist yeah, trap. Yeah. Now in in Marrakesh, I were you in on it too?
2: Yeah, we went to Marrakesh. Oh, overnight.
3: We overnighted. Oh, that was. That was it was awesome. with the gift shop girls. It was, yeah, uh, it was a bunch of people. Oh gosh. Yeah. I remember sitting there out in the middle of, of the blue mountains eating lunch with the goats and the trees. Yeah. And then we went to, we went to the sook that night or that morning, the next morning and yeah. six to hall and myself, miss Jones, Lorraine, Jones, oh,
2: Lorraine. Yeah.
3: Um, we all bought rugs and I, I was insistent. I'm not buying a rug. But we walked into this place and they give us some tea. I'm sure there's gunpowder or something in this tea. Because all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, I think I I like that rug. And (laughs) Lorraine sat there and was my chief negotiator with a little calculator. And she'd like punch in a number and show it to the guy and he'd shake his head. And she'd uh, number nine. I'd shake my head. And she'd keep going back and forth till I bought this rug. And the rug to this day is under our dining room table at home. (laughs) Wow. How did you shift it home? Oh shit! We we collected so much crap on that trip. We, but we came back to the U.S. and so. Did you able- when you
0: got all the stuff? Did you put it in the cabin that wasn't there, as, and just use it as? <laughs> <Okay>.
3: <laughs> that was a different was, company. A different, <laughs> different oh, okay. company. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but I landed it all and and was able to ship it home from from Miami. Great okay, times. but did you
1: really
2: go out at night in Marrakesh? Because I went. We, out we out spent in- the night in Marrakesh.
3: We spent the night in Marrakesh. And we went out to. It was kind of touristy, but it was the the flying carpet and the uh, and the lamb dinner and everything on the floor. And uh, it was it was pretty amazing. It was pretty something
2: amazing. something about them. We went out after dinner. They were riding horses back and forth or yep. something, something like that. Oh yeah,
3: no, they were. Yeah. It was it was a whole show. We were pretty drunk by show. then. The other end of the continent, up in Saint Petersburg, where where Steve. And Dan and and Brad, myself, and a few others went out to the Troika. And I, Dan and I sat at a separate table because there wasn't room at the main table. But every table had a bottle of vodka and a bottle of champagne. So Dan and I basically polished off this champagne and this vodka, which was basically hooch, you know, out of the potato skins, right? I do remember saying something very rude to Steve, Which set him off. (laughs) I still remember exactly what I said to him. And I vaguely remember, Brad, I think you picked me up out of the gutter in St. Petersburg to put me back into the cab so that I could get back on board the ship but that was probably my worst night. That
2: had to have been a different night because I think the next time it was me getting picked out of the gutter and put (laughs) into a cab because I (laughs) literally got thrown out of brigantina. The guy grabbed me by the neck and the seat of my pants. I've told this story several times and literally threw me out onto the sidewalk.
3: No, I think it was that same night because from there, you guys went to the brigantina. I went back, and almost got in oh, the brig.
2: Oh, okay. 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 We, yeah. this was, this was pre, we were pre-gaming. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah.
3: Gotcha, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I just didn't make it <laughs> to makes the final. Sense. That I makes didn't sense. make a little final chapter. <laughs> that makes,
2: you didn't make it to Brigantine. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. That's probably exactly. a good thing.
3: <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was it it good was. <laughs> yeah. It's all amazing. Right. We all survived. So.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah. uh, Rick, is there anything else you want to leave us with? Because we're about out of time.
3: Well i just want to thank you all for for putting these things together you know i i know brad reached out to me last uh last year and i'm i'm currently contracted to evergreen health my role right now is providing the the support for um scheduling appointments for a mass vaccination site there are so many wonderful ship stories out there some of us remember them some of us don't some of us wish we didn't but really thank you the three of you for putting this together and and, and compiling these wonderful volumes of, of of great stories and Things that maybe we may not want to tell our kids or our grandkids.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> now it's
2: documented online. Forever. Now it's now
3: it's yeah. for real. So yeah. uh,
2: we want people to be really comfortable when they come on because really it's not us. I mean we do very little except barely get here on time. It's the guests that we have that come on that really make this show good. We're really glad that we have the opportunity to let people tell their story.
3: Well, Brad, I know where you are because I've been there. Yeah, Um, Rick came
2: to visit me in Oklahoma. Stephen and I came to visit and Brad took us out on
3: the ranch and we went all over the place. And I don't know if you knew this, Brad, but we had such a good time and we left so late. We boondocked at the Walmart in Elk City. (laughs) Yes, I remember you telling me that. Rick,
2: thanks so much for coming on board. One of my favorite people to work with on board and just so so nice
3: to have you on the show. Have you told the guys about Charlie the, the Naked Owl Boy yet? He's with his Norwegian of. sized penis.
0: I uh, <laughs> about every five episodes, I'm like, "Hey, was this when Charlie?" Norwegian-sized penis? penis that cracks me up. I crack myself <laughs> it's up. A tiny
3: Bye. little penis, like a Norwegian would have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I crack yeah, myself up sometimes. We've gotten um, although most
2: of, of that was super painful.
1: He he won't give us the details around it, but we just know it's out there. But we we don't have a lot of detail yet.
3: It's All right, not... guys, thanks a lot for for having me on.
1: Bye. Bye that was uh, that was good it was so awesome. nice to finally meet him like i've been saying this episode uh i just heard so much about him over the years
0: hey everyone the ship is about to set sail which brings us to an end for today we hope you enjoy the podcast for bonus audio and if you would like to see this podcast and video please visit our youtube channel my Ship Story. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram as My Ship Story. Don't forget to let us know if you're a past or present crew member, and if you have a story that you would like to tell, or if you'd like, you can email us your story for us to read on the air. Email us at myshipstorypodcast at yahoo.com. That's myshipstorypodcast at yahoo.com. Goodbye for now, and be sure to tune in next week, same time, as we'll have a new podcast every Monday. Bon voyage!